this is something I, I struggled with. I literally struggled with feeling like I was selfish. And I think there's a difference. So you can be self-centered and then you can be selfish. And I think that it's nothing wrong with being selfish because that means like you have identified a need and it's something that you need to do for you so that you can show up as your best version versus self-centered where it's like you don't consider anybody or how it may impact people. And I'm not saying that we should not consider reasonably, but I don't think it should like deter us from what we ultimately deem as what's best for us. Yeah, I just, I think that it's okay to be selfish. I I think it's okay to like snatch your hand back and say, yeah, that doesn't serve me. And it's not a bad thing. Welcome to Michelle is Money Hungry. I'm your host, Michelle Jackson, and I focus on holding financial conversations that lean into social equity, policy, and access with a splash of pop culture. My goal is to lead these conversations with empathy and help both my listeners and myself learn more about money along the way. For the next week, my guests and I will focus on when American women decide that they want more in their lives. Interestingly, many of the conversations centered around going into entrepreneurship. With that in mind, though, I do want to say that my guests and I aren't necessarily encouraging you to go into business. Instead, this conversation in my mind is a reflection of the policies that aren't in place here in the United States. Policies such as paid parental leave, generous paid sick leave, or just having a degree of flexibility and autonomy over your days so that you can run an errand, schedule a doctor's appointment, or take your kid to ballet. Or sometimes you just have to help your parents out when things come up. I often wonder how different American life would be for women if we had some of these policies in place. Would the choices we make be different? When I moved into digital entrepreneurship, I found myself collaborating with brands, doing 1099 work and needing to send out invoices and just having to set up systems to keep my business organized. It has been an ongoing process to find the right tools and systems for me. I'm so excited about a new tool that I now use that allows me to invoice clients, set up tasks, and even track my time as I work on specific tasks. I also use it as a CRM or client relationship management system. What's the tool's name? Harlow. I am obsessed with Harlow and I'm so excited that Harlow has partnered with me to bring the conversation around women wanting more personally, financially, and professionally to life. Harlow is a woman-owned business designed by former freelancers who understand the challenges of keeping creative businesses organized. I love how responsive the team is to my questions and occasionally I'll send in an email, which is a big deal as they continue to improve and refine this new tool. If you're looking for a comprehensive system to organize your invoicing, manage your clients, and keep yourself organized while seeing your cash flow, I encourage you to give Harlow a try. I am also a proud affiliate as well, so we're partnering, but I'm also an affiliate. Go to michelleismoneyhungry.com backslash Harlow to check it out. I'm 
Siobhan. I am, I like to say a storyteller. I love telling stories and connecting them with people. So that looks like me being a producer. I've written books, a filmmaker, anything creative. That is who Siobhan is. It's not who I started off to be. And I started off as a counselor and then pivoted into the creative space. It's definitely been an interesting journey. If you could share what it was like to transition from what you did before to this creative work, in particular, transitioning financially, that would be, I think, of great interest to the listeners because we're talking about women and money and designing better lives. And I think when we change from like a profession that's very much done in one way to something that's completely different, that there's a huge financial conversation that has to be had. So what was that like for you? And And what were some of the challenges? It was hectic (laughs) because I don't think that I planned as well as I would have liked to, because I've been a, I'm like an entrepreneur for 10 years off and on, but to decide to take the leap of going from, as you would say, traditional, there was structure. I knew when I was going to get paid to now saying I'm going to quit my job and put my business out here and hope that people buy what I am saying that they need. It was definitely something that I thought I was prepared for, but I wasn't. And um, I had heard a lot of people say like, oh, make sure you have like a nest egg, make sure that you're considering all these things. And I took for granted that I had done it in the capacity of it being like a side hustle and what that looked like versus, okay, I'm really about to do this and there is nothing to fall back on. It was definitely a lot of learning lessons that were costly. And looking back, I'm glad that I experienced it, but I also wish I would have done a lot more due diligence of what does it look like to run a business and what does it cost? Not just money, but time. Because we see a lot of memes that are like, oh, when you quit your job, you go to working for yourself and you're literally working all the time. And that's something that I initially struggled with was finding that balance of turning it off like, okay, it's the weekend and you're still working and your family and your friends are like, okay, are you going to do this? And you're like, I can't, I got to work. There is no, there was no team behind me. So it definitely was a lot of coins mistakes made. I don't want to get too in your business, but I, I am curious about the financial aspect. What I mean by this is, did you have like any student loans before you quit and did this transition or, or did you sit there and you're like, okay, I've got these bills. I'm going to, I'm going to knock them out. Like what did that piece look like? Absolutely have student loans to this day. (laughs) So I had student loans I had recently gone through a divorce, so that was a thing. And I, one thing I made sure of is I no longer had a car note. And I was very adamant about I'm not going to acquire another car because I didn't want to have an additional amount of debt tacked on to what I was doing. So yes, I had bills. I had bills from business. And then I also had student loan debt. So yes, I had a a lot of financial things going on. And this conversation that we're having, we're really talking about nurturing and fostering our dreams and designing lives that are better for us as women and and really being unapologetic about that. And I, I feel like there are a lot more people who have 
debt before they go into business than people really want to talk about. What were some of the tensions that that debt brought into designing your better life? And what were some of the things that you did to smooth things out so that you could focus and really thrive in this new profession? I would say that being honest, the debt made me or made me feel like I had to say yes to any client. So instead of me being a lot more strategic or really pricing myself where I thought I needed to be, I felt like I I started to deal with this scarcity mindset of, okay, you have to pay your bills. You have debt. You have things that you already want to do. You had a certain lifestyle that you were living before you quit. So now it's like, okay, I'm on this never ending wheel of, okay, I have to take this client. I have to say yes. I have to jump through hoops in order to meet the needs. And that was such a draining feeling and something that I was not used to because I had gotten to a certain place in my career before I quit where I I had leverage. Like I, I could play around or move around a little bit more. And it was just such a, dif- a different feeling of, oh my goodness, you really have to figure out where this money is going to come from. And for me, I had to be honest with myself that I put myself out there way before I needed to. And in that, I felt a little bit of embarrassment because I felt like, oh, I made this big grandiose exit from my job. Like I'm leaving. I'm about to be like this amazing creative and y'all just wait and see because you need to jump on this bandwagon too. And then I had to eat some humble pie and pick up some counseling clients in order to supplement like just the deficit that I was experiencing. So that's just something I had to do and I had to be okay with that. Do you think that by being okay with that, that actually having those connections with those clients impacted your, your project and your mission now? In that moment, I felt like it did, but it really didn't. It was really all in my head. It had nothing to do with, no, not at all. Could you share a little bit about what you do? Because you didn't share the name of your project. So I think it's super important what you're doing and the work The kind of, it's to me a service to others. So please share what, what you're working on now. So I have an amazing podcast that I produce. It's called Seated with Strangers, where I bring together complete strangers and we talk about culture. We talk about relationships. Literally, it's just a wide spectrum within reason what we discuss. And it's been such an amazing journey from having people that I now have relationship with that live in like somebody lives in the UK and I like talk to her right now. But from that, it has also evolved to us having dinner parties where I bring strangers together and we have this really, even though it's about 12 to 15 people, we have this really intimate experience where people get to be very vulnerable and pour into each other and we laugh, we even cry, but it's, it's good tears. And it's just been really fun to see people because people need it. Like we've gotten so used to social media and like kind of surface communication. I just think that it's something that people are looking for and they don't know that they need it. Social connection, I think is one of the things that really drives staying in spaces and places that don't serve us well. What kind of advice would you give to those women listening to the show and some men uh, and uh, 
what advice would you give for the person who's like, look, I can't leave my job like that. That's not my interest. That's not where I'm at, but I'm feeling really stuck or I'm feeling unconnected with others. And it's hard for me to make any of these other decisions around spending, or maybe because I feel disconnected, I overspend. And um, what would you say uh, to someone who's struggling to, to make connections? I think, especially post 2020, I've, I've definitely noticed a difference. Like people are skittish for many reasons. Um, and I think that we're nervous to take risks with others. What, what are some thoughts that you have when you hear something like that, especially because you cultivate these, these spaces where people can connect? I would say first, it's okay, like, be honest with yourself, because I believe that it's so easy to get social media blended in with real life, meaning we put on this like facade on social media that like everything's together. I'm great. And like, I, I can speak to that. Like when I was going through a divorce, literally my life looked picture perfect. But what I realized is I wasn't being honest with myself. So I think the first thing is to be honest. Like, I don't know where I fit in this space. I don't even know if I have the capacity because I think in our vulnerability, it gives us the ability to be open in those little moments when there's that space. For example, with Seated with Strangers, I've had so many people say, oh, we signed up but I was nervous, but it was that point that they were vulnerable enough with themselves to say that this is something I need. Um, I'm not sure what it's going to look like and I'm going to try. And I think in that honesty, it gives us the ability to want to try. And I also think that you don't have to want to be entrepreneurial, but I do think that you should want what's best for you, whatever that looks like and not depicted on what like people say and the world says. Like what is what looks best for your life and the version of life you want to live? I hope that that makes sense. I actually thought that was really beautiful. If I am a person who is looking to redesign my life and design it in a way that better serves me within the moment that I'm currently in, what's the first step that you think a person should take and what is something they should avoid doing? Oh, that's such a good question. I would say... Be childlike. And I know that sounds so strange, but I have nephews and I just look at how they approach life. It's like things can happen, things can occur. And like in that moment, it can be really bad for them. Like, you know, they they'll cry, they'll be upset, but they don't take it with them the next day. And I think that because we've had to be so responsible and because we've had just life happen to us. I think we haven't given our, ourselves that permission to be childlike. And that just means being curious. Like it's okay to say, I want to try something and you might fail at it, but it doesn't stop you from trying something else. Like I have this running joke with people that I have so many blogs or I used to have so many blogs floating out there because I was trying to figure out like my voice and what I wanted to do. And I never considered what other people thought like, oh, you're being flighty. No, I'm trying to figure it out. And I think that that's okay. And I would say to avoid being rigid 
because when we're rigid, we just don't give ourselves permission to like fail. And we look at fail failure as this like permanent thing. And it's not, it's literally for us to show us like, yeah, that didn't work, but maybe I like picked up another skill here or I found out that I love something in the midst of that failure. So I just think it's like, have a little bit of childlike curiosity and let's avoid being so rigid. I love that answer. For women, especially women of color who are listening to this conversation, I think, and and I've asked this to several women across the board, I think that when we talk about designing our best lives, that oftentimes other people will hear that as being selfish. What's your read on that? Are we being selfish for saying, no, this this isn't the life that is serving me best? Or is there some truth to this idea that we're being selfish for rethinking how our lives should be, whether we're in a partnership of some sort, romantic partnership, a business one, what have you, whether or not we have kids or not, like what what would you say to that for people who are having their choices impacted because they're getting that feedback and they're scared? I would say this is something I I struggled with. I literally struggled with feeling like I was selfish. And I think there's a difference. So you could be self-centered and then you could be selfish. And I think that it's nothing wrong with being selfish because that means like you have identified a need. And it's something that you need to do for you so that you can show up as your best version versus self-centered where it's like you don't consider anybody or how it may impact people. And I'm not saying that we should not consider reasonably, but I don't think it should like deter us from what we ultimately deem as what's best for us. Yeah, I just I think that it's okay to be selfish. I I think it's okay. So like snatch your hand back and say, yeah, that doesn't serve me. And it's not a bad thing. You have a podcast and I'm a huge fan of podcasts because I think for a lot of us, we get our voices like people will shut us down so that they don't have to hear what we have to say. How does having a podcast allow you to embrace what's best for you and design your best life in addition to connecting with all these amazing people that you've met through your mission? Oh, that's so good. Uh, I would say, because it it gives me the ability, since I'm on the, the producer end, it gives me the ability to navigate the conversations that I think need to be amplified in like the space of podcasts and just in our community. Because I think that so often we amplify voices that are like loud and like rude or loud and just mean. And that's not what I want to do. Like, I do want to give people space to be able to communicate healthy. And it doesn't mean we always agree, but it's like, what does it look like to do that and like still be kind? So for me, it's kind of given me the ability to redeem just some things that I felt like I lost when I was younger. Like I didn't feel like I had necessarily the space to express myself without it being like shut down. You're focused on building community. How does community help women? And in particular, how does community help women as it relates to money? That's a very broad question. Ooh. <laughs> uh, well, when I would say 
First, I have my own like feelings about community because I think I, I tweeted or said something one day, like before we build a community, you first have to be community. And, and what that means to me is like not just creating this space just to say that it's community, but to actually like care about people. Like I deeply care about every person that wants to engage in this space because I don't want people to walk away wounded because like community can do that and we can create community just for the sake of making money. But I think even when we go in these spaces, what is done is like we talked about like just money and the American dream. That's one of the episodes. But in that, it gave us perspective to like challenge, like, what does that look like? Like, what does the American dream look like? And I think because we pass by each other so much in the world, in our community, that we don't have these conversations to see, okay, wait, am I really asking for enough money? Am I really being like a good steward over my money? Am I blowing it? And it not being from a defensive place. So I think it's just, yeah, we we get to have that conversation without there being like judgment. This is the last question, actually. (laughs) How does your mission help you better your own life, both on a personal level, a financial level, and as a person who fosters community and Mm -hmm. and just how you're designing a better life for you? I would say one, it makes me a lot more intentional about relationships because as you all, like everybody that's listening, we went through the pandemic and it just was a lot. And I relocated from where I was. So for me, it's just, I'm very intentional about how I treat people, how I respond to people who a lot of times people deem as like not worthy and also extending grace. But as much as everybody else is like, oh, this is amazing. I love it. It's that much more for me because I'm in a space right now where I'm not near my friends, where it's just different. And it gives me the ability to show up and know that I can like talk to people. And I can also like, yeah, like as much as I'm poured out, I I get it back in. And then it also helps me to reaffirm like you have value and it doesn't equal what the world says. So yeah. For those of us who would like to attend one of your (laughs) events, who would like to listen to your show, could you share the details? Yes. So this is how it works. The podcast, well, the dinner parties are pop up. So I do have a website. It's www.seatedwithstrangers.com. You can subscribe to the newsletter there, but also you will get notified there when the next one is. And you have to sign up quickly because usually they go pretty fast. Thank you so much, Siobhan. Um, For listeners who are curious about the business side of this conversation, we're going to continue this over at the Brand Building Lab. The link will be in the show notes for this episode. So I do hope you will give that a listen if that is something you're curious about. 